So I entitled this message, I See Something Else in Me. I see something else in me. Now, I'm not talking about multiple personalities. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to be medicated. I'm not talking like that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying I, I believe there's something in you perhaps that you haven't tapped into yet. And Gideon is the example because he's, he's, he's a man who discovered greatness from nothing. He's a man that discovered there was a whole lot more inside of him than what he realized, more than he could see in himself. I mean, you know, we think about Gideon, we think about the great things that he did as general of that army and how he defeated uh, the, the Midianites and so forth. But honestly, when you look at Gideon before all this happened, I'm not very impressed. I'm not impressed with Gideon. and In fact, I'm kind of embarrassed for him. I mean, I mean, he's out of place. He, he's out of sorts. He's not thinking right. He's hiding. He's fearful. He's unproductive. One might say he was a bit of a coward. He, he's hiding out in the wine press. He is scared to death of what the devil might do to him. And he's hiding out. Hiding out in his wine press. He's in a place where... He's, he's, in a, he's in a place that's supposed to make wine, and instead he's, he's threshing wheat. And it's very difficult to do that in a confined, confined space like a wine press. A wine press is, represents a place that we are in that we perhaps shouldn't be in. It, 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 it's, it's a place or a situation that we are in. That we're not supposed to be in. It's a pit, if you think about it. I, I almost thought about bringing our little portable baptistry out here because it kind of looks like a wine press. Right? But we were so busy this work, I didn't want to put anything on them, so we didn't set it up. But you all know what it looks like. It's, it, uh, it looks like a wine press, so there you go. <laughs> but but it's, it's a confined place. It's a hiding place. But it's a pit of depression. It's a pit of loneliness. It's a pit of defeat and hopelessness. Can be a pit of anger. It can be a pit of confusion. Look at Gideon in chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. Let's look at him again. He says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abba, uh, that guy. <coughs> While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So an angel appeared to somebody who's basically afraid and hiding. This encourages me because no matter what state of mind I might be in, God is still willing to send me an angel. Even though I might be in the state of despair or defeat, I might be in a place of depression, I, I might be uh, uh, sorrowful, uh, uh, whatever my state of mind, that doesn't mean God has forgotten me. It doesn't mean that God won't visit me. It does, listen, you might be in a place where you have failed God. You have even had sin in your life. But aren't you glad he never leaves us or forsakes us? I'm encouraged that even when I'm not not right, God will visit me. 
And the angel of the Lord uh, appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. Scaredy cat. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Yeah, that's me as he poked his head up above the wine press. Right? Gideon said to him, but wait a minute. Oh, my Lord. Right? O-M-L. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us. See, see, when God challenges you, sometimes the first thing we do is say, yeah, but God. You know, if this is true about me, then why did this happen to me? I think we just changed denominations. Why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Can you imagine the angel thinking right now? Jeez, we got a lot of work to do. This guy, I can't believe God picked this guy. Really, you couldn't have sent me to something better than this guy? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go. I mean, he didn't argue with him. He didn't explain. Listen, God doesn't have to explain where he's coming from. God doesn't have to explain why, all the whys of what you're going through. He doesn't have to explain the pain. He doesn't have to explain the confusion. He said, just go, Gideon. Go in this might of yours. Really? What might? What might? See, the angel, by the way, the angel is the Lord, capital L. It's probably Jesus. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you, farmer Gideon? He's never picked up a weapon in his life. And now he's being promoted from not being in the army and never being trained in the army to general of the army. Who does that? Oh, my Lord. Here we go again. OML. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, how many know it's not about your clan? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and Manasseh is a small tribe, and, and I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the littlest of the littlest. I am an insignificant. Aren't you glad God can call you even when you feel insignificant? Wow. Wow. Yet God called him. He's in, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And that's illustrative because wheat, before it can become wheat, must be crushed. And some of us feel crushed. Or we've had times in our lives we have felt crushed. And we thought it was the end. And God's really saying, no, it's just the beginning. And I mentioned this last week that then after the wheat is crushed, you have, to, you have to stick a pitchfork in it. Anybody been there? It's no wonder that every time we see the devil, he's got a tail and, and horns and a pitchfork. 
Because that's what he, that's his job, that's his job. So he's so so we've been we've been pitchforked, amen. And 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 we've been crushed. And 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 the reason we put a pitchfork in it is to throw it up in the air. Anybody ever feel tossed in the air? And when you're floating around up there, you have a loss of direction and purpose, and you feel like you're falling. Am I? Am I just preaching to everybody and you're being quiet, or am I not relating? I don't know which it is. But, but, but the enemy likes to just toss us in the air. But there's a reason for that because as it's tossed in the air, the wind blows, and it blows through what is tossed and blows away the shaft. It blows away all the insignificant. It blows away all the light stuff. It blows away all the junk in your life. And all that's left is the wheat that comes down. What's left is pure. What's left is productive. What's worth, what's left can be eaten, can be consumed. It can be used. Listen, I, I don't know if you understand this, but if, if they were to bake bread from wheat right out of the field, first of all, it wouldn't taste good. And second of all, you'd be picking little things out of your teeth. I mean, I mean, you'd have all that, all that shaft in there, all that junk in there, which is not uh, uh, productive, which is not nutritious. It's just junk. Listen, God's wanting to get the junk out of your life, and that might be why you're going through what you're going through. He's not left you or forsake you. His angels were looking out over you. He still has a calling on your life. You can't say, I failed, I messed up. No, you may have, but God... But the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. If he called you, honey, you're still called. Wow. Wow. You know, Peter went through the same thing. We see this story in Luke chapter 22 and, and verse 29. He says, and Jesus says, and I, uh, and I bestow upon you, Peter, a kingdom. Wow. Just as my father bestowed one upon me. How many know he's giving us a kingdom? That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on my thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Ooh, Peter's like, yeah, that's me. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. You know, anytime God says your name twice, you're in trouble. Something's coming down the tube. Come on now. Yeah, and when he when he says your name, when he when he says Brian, Brian, look out, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. I'm giving you a kingdom, yeah, but Satan wants you. Oh, by the way, uh huh, that he may what sift you as wheat. There it is. But here's what the Lord says. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now, be careful here because he didn't say, I prayed, I rebuked the devil so he wouldn't sift you. He said, no, the devil's going to sift you. But I prayed for you that you'll survive it and come out better than when you came in. 
Yeah, he's Lord, so he can use whatever the devil throws at us to actually make something better come out of our lives. You have to, listen, there's a process you have to go through. It's called sifting, and it's painful, and it's disorientating, and, you, and, and you're left wondering about a lot of things, a lot of questions, but when you finally hit the ground, you're going to hit the ground running. You, he says that your faith should not fail. Not even that you won't fail, but that your faith won't fail. Because if you got your faith, you got everything else. You can get through anything if you can keep your faith. Wow. And when you have returned to me, he said, Peter, there's going to be times in your life where you kind of backslide a little. There's going to be times in your life when you question me. But when you get your act together, Strengthen your brethren. You say, why has God put me through this? Because you're going to help someone else get through it. Boy, if you haven't learned that lesson, it might be why you keep going through it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us in this place. How many know what I'm saying is true? It is true. So here's some points. You aren't who you are now because you can't see who you will be. I need to say that again, right? You aren't who you are now because you can't see who you will be. You've not been able to see the Gideon in you, that warrior in you. You feel more like wimp than warrior. And it, because, listen, it's hard to see in a pit. If you're a soldier, if the enemy's shooting at you, you get in a foxhole. You're defended, you're safe, but you're not taking ground. So there comes a time you got to get out of the pit because you can't see in the pit. Listen, how many know Joseph couldn't see who he was when he was in the pit? They threw Joseph in a pit, and he probably thought his life was over, and it very nearly was, but he got out of that pit and became the second only to Pharaoh and saved his family and really saved all the known world at that time because God gave him wisdom what to do. He couldn't see. Joseph couldn't see who he was in the pit with all his dirty, nasty clothes and nearly dead, but God brought him out of the pit and made him, made him lord over Egypt. I'm telling you, you don't know who you are yet. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Moses couldn't see who he was on the backside of the desert. He didn't know that very soon God would bring him out of the desert and use that experience to bring the children of Israel through the desert. You may feel like you're in a desert, but God puts you there so you can get someone else through the desert. God's going to make you a deliverer for somebody. How many know Daniel... Daniel couldn't see who he was in the lion's den. All he could see was a How many know those lions are hungry? On purpose. All he could see was a couple, who knows, seven or eight hungry lions looking at him with, with a tablecloth around their napkin around their neck and a knife and a fork ready for dinner. But Daniel... <laughs> 
Daniel couldn't see what God was about to do with him, but I'll tell you what, he turned the lion's den into a petting zoo. Come on and praise him. God will turn your situation of near-death experience into a petting zoo. Daniel couldn't see it, but he would become counselor to the emperor. Wow. How many know the three Hebrew children couldn't see who they were when they threw them in the fire? They didn't see anything until they saw the fourth in the fire. Come on, some of you, if you don't know your Bible, I don't have time to explain all these stories, but if you know your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. They threw them in the fiery furnace. There's three of them. They didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't get singed. They didn't lose even a hair on their head. And instead, they walked around greeting it. They probably had a picnic in the fire. And while they're in there, there was a fourth one walking in the fire. Listen, whatever fire you may find yourself in, there's a fourth in the fire, and he's still in You listen to me. The three came out of the fire, but God never came out of the fire. He's still in the fire with you, amen. Whatever you're going through. Listen, you are not what you are doing now. He was a farmer. That's what he did. But just because you're doing what you're doing doesn't mean you'll always be doing what you're doing. Don't base your future on what you're doing now because God can change everything you're doing so you do. Yeah, but I'm not trained. Neither was Gideon. Yeah, but that's just not me. That's not my family. That's not in my DNA. You're born again. You have different DNA, my friend. Jesus, help us. How about this one? You are more than what you are protecting or hiding. Something our whole life is just about what I got to protect. My whole life's about just, just hiding out and being careful and all that stuff. Listen, your life is bigger than what you're protecting. I'm going to tell you something. You could lose everything you're protecting and still come out on top on this thing. You can lose everything you're protecting and still be a man or a woman or a young person of God. Amen. It doesn't matter. Amen. Uh, Job said, I came in naked. I go out naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, my Redeemer liveth, and I will stand with him at the last day. Come on. You may feel like Job, but Job came out all right. Amen. You are, you got to get that you are more than what you're protecting and what you're trying to hide from. Ah, there's something greater out there. Uh, Life begins when you find out who you are. A little bit. I don't like giving my test because whenever I do, if I visit them in their homes, they're locking up their china and stuff, you know. Jesus. How many here got a past? Oh, I feel better. Amen. I, I, I should ask how many drug addicts. I won't go there. <laughs> but we got some X's in here, right? Okay, I feel better. But, but I didn't know who I was when I was just this, you know, firstborn, lonely little kid growing up in Minnesota. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the, you know, the security questions they ask, give the name of a childhood friend. I had to think a minute. Oh, yeah. And I, I, told, I told my kids, I said, oh, well, that's one of the, my security questions. <laughs> my kids said, I didn't know you had any friends as a child. <laughs> you never talked about it. Oh, no, I never have. I don't know if Gloria even knows about Phil. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen Phil since I was 18 years old. I don't know. In fact, while I was preparing for this, I thought, I thought about old Phil. I got on Facebook. You know how many Phils there are in Facebook? I didn't find Phil. Amen. So I, I have no idea. But I, I, I didn't know who I was growing up. Little little Catholic altar boy. Speaking a little Latin. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know who I was back then. No clue. No clue. I, I didn't know who. When I finally got to that point where I could do something about my life, I decided I'm getting away from home. I need to be free. So I joined the Navy. Out of the pot into the fire. <laughs> I knew I wasn't free the very first day of boot camp. I got in about, I got in from Minnesota. And I, I, up to that point, I had never been further south than Iowa. So I, <laughs> I went to boot camp in Florida. It was like a different world. And I got there about 2 a.m. And at about 6 a.m., and the guy got guys to my rat. Wake up! And I said, "Sir, I I need to sleep in. I just got here at two o'clock." That's literally the meaning of rude awakening. Spent six years in the military, but but listen, listen. It wasn't, and and, and I think even after I got saved, I mean, when I got I got saved in Athens, Greece, not Athens, Ohio. Athens, Greece, the real place. I, if I'd gotten saved a week earlier, they, I could have gotten baptized where Paul baptized in Athens. Nobody, nobody witnessed to me that night or anything. I was in a Baptist missionary home with about 50 or 60 other people, and it's kind of against the law in Greece to proselytize, so they're in their home. And, and I was kneeling, and here's my prayer. I said, God, I'll, I'll serve you. He said, I don't know what I can do. I don't think I can do anything, but if, if it's just I serve the devil 24-7. So I promise whatever you want me to do, I'll do it 24-7. I'll give you whatever you want me to do. And I had no clue what he wanted me to do. Never thought about it. I didn't even, I mean, that didn't even cross my mind. Preacher. I mean, I, I was this introvert. <laughs> That didn't talk to, definitely didn't talk to crowds. I was uncomfortable with three people in the room. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, growing up uh, in our in our German home, even around the dinner table, we were basically quiet. You know, we didn't, we didn't, you know, we we were strict. And her family is not quiet. They fight for the ability to be heard. You sit around the table; they're all talking at once. Grabbing food. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, and I'm like, <laughs> her family knew me probably three years before they they thought I was mute. They thought I couldn't. I'd sit there and read my book, you know, while they're all talking, and they say, "Preacher, what you reading?" 
like they had any understanding of what I was reading. I don't know. I'd go in the other room and read my book. Pretty soon they all come into the other room. I mean, I was an introvert. I, there was, and still am. I, I, I'm not supposed to be preaching. I, I remember when God finally actually called me to preach. Crazy. Now, listen, I got saved in the month of November, 44 years ago, something like that. Got good and cleaned up and sanctified the next month in December. Got the Holy Ghost in January. Whew. At a revival meeting, I'm sitting out on, on somebody's, after the meeting is over, I'm, I went around, it was in a, in a community, and I sat on somebody's uh, stairs, you know, steps to their house, and while I was there, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget how beautiful the sky looked and the stars, and I'm speaking in tongues until a woman came to the door and said, what's going on out there? <laughs> I felt like dancing in the streets, man. I was a better dancer then. <laughs> Do a little Trump dance here or something. <laughs> Jesus. So filled with the Holy Ghost in January, and by, and by July, June or July of that year, I was called to preach. And when I got called to preach, the people in the church said, what took you so long? We knew it as soon as you got saved. But I didn't see it. I didn't know it. I was at a camp meeting. Y'all remember camp meetings? Anybody remember old-fashioned camp meetings? Outdoor. I mean, we had a roof over it, but it was outdoor in Virginia. We were in, um, in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, and that's where their camp meetings were for Virginia. And, and I went in there. And wouldn't you know it, God, and I, I, I didn't stay in a hotel. I was still a sailor. So they had these uh, places, you could, uh, cabins you could stay in. So God put me in a cabin with three other single guys. And don't you know it? All three of them were called to preach. And me. And they're all talking about, hey, God, use me. You know how young preachers are. You're not young anymore, right, Jason? You're, okay. You know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe I'd like to be a preacher. No, I can't. No, uh, you know, I can't. I can't call myself. Uh, you know, and I, I got to thinking about. It, but, but, but during that camp meeting, wow, God, God, God began to move in the service. It was a mission service, and the Lord told me to give a certain amount of money. And I wrote it. I said, Yes, Lord, here it is. Put it in the offering. Then God said, Double it. Yes, Lord, and I doubled it and I put it in the offering. Listen, it pays to give. The ushers are coming. By the way, there are boxes in the back of the door you can give. Listen, I doubled it. The amount doesn't matter. I doubled it, and that night after the service, I went to the altar, and I was praying, and everyone was leaving, and I was still there, and I was just praying, and I said, God, whatever whatever you want, literally like, like the yoke running down. You ever do that? Don't look at me like you don't know. Okay, after church... Instead of an altar call, we're going to have an egg-cracking illustration. You got some eggs? You got some quail eggs probably. <laughs> I literally felt the anointing. I literally thought, well, maybe not an egg. I literally thought a bird had flown over my head. I, I mean, I felt, and I felt it go all the way down, the anointing of God. 
And I, I picked up a stick, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I defeat Colin. And I hit that stick up against a big old tree, and it splattered in a million pieces, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the anointing will make it go, hmm, yeah. I could take on all the devils of hell. And I sat there on top of that hill, and I, down at the bottom of the hill, I saw something moving, and I said, in the name of Jesus, come up here. And that little creature, I'm, I can immediately turn and start coming up the hill at me. I'm like, nothing on me. I talk to animals, and they come. And he got about, he got about halfway up the hill, and I realized I had called up a skunk. How many know God has a way of humbling you? My whole prayer life changed suddenly. I'm serious. That, that skunk got as close as that chair, stopped and looked right at me. Now, I had nowhere to go. I had no car. I can't go back to that cabin with the other three preachers. I mean, I would have stunk up the whole campground. It could have canceled camp meeting. <laughs> God. <laughs> So I began to pray, oh, God, I'm so humble now. God, if I did a stupid thing, I, I prayed my heart out. And that skunk just turned around and left. And I felt a little bit of huh again, but not much. How <laughs> I many know oh God, God, God can use the strangest things to teach you the lessons you need to learn. God's, God's a big God. I didn't know who I was. I never dreamed I'd be here preaching to you. But God saw, and, and I'm, I'm not, you, you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, wh whatever I am, I didn't see it at the time. But God saw it. I didn't have a clue, never dreamed it. It's not like I grew up thinking, one of these days I'm going to be a Protestant preacher. <laughs> and I'm going to preach to hundreds. And nah. I don't care if you're 20 or 15 or 75 or 80, well, it doesn't matter. Moses was 80 when he started his ministry, started his ministry, lived to be 120. Some of you, you, you know, I'm 66, I'm only, I'm on, I'm midlife, the cloud, you're, if you could just get beyond the, your past, if, if you can just get beyond what other people are saying about you, if you can just get beyond your failures and how you messed up, if you can just get beyond your self-doubts, if, if you can just get beyond that little voice on your shoulder that says you'll never amount to anything, you'll never accomplish anything, who do you think you are? I'll tell you who I am. I'm a child of the king. My daddy's royalty. Amen. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, he, my daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Not a thousand cows on a hill, but the cattle on a thousand hills. My God is Lord of all the universe, and that's my dad. Who's your daddy? Amen. That's my daddy, and I know who I am in God, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ah, somebody help me, hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Glory to God. Life begins when you find out who you are. 